Welcome back to the Rediscover the 80s podcast and another episode of Rankem, the show that counts down your favorites from the 80s. I am your host, Jason Gross, and I'm proud to welcome back to the podcast a guest who I first met through the Underscoop Fire website and was actually a guest on the very first Rediscover the 80s podcast several years ago, which you can still find in the feed. He is now the host of his own show, The Chap Report, which you can find in the Nerd Lunch podcast feed. Welcome, Mr. Corey Chapman. Hello, hello. It's great to be back, Jason. How are you? I am doing fine. I'm glad you came along, and uh, I've, I've been trying to find somebody to talk some music uh, on this podcast, so I'm glad that you uh, accepted and that you're here, and we're going to be talking about... Uh, music around the year 1988. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get we'll get into the uh, the that in a few minutes. I'm sure. Right. I want to say thank you very much for having me back on the show. Uh, I love the work that you do. I've said it on the Underscoop Fire podcast. I've said it over the years. You are the closest living link to the 1980s. You keep <laughs> that flame alive. And any any time I drift away into the cold, I can always pull myself back to your flame, your 1980s eternal <laughs> flame. See what I did there, Jason? Yes, there we I go. Did. I did. Yes. Okay. <laughs> See, that's what I appreciate about you. Yes. Well, uh, I do remember you having a, a specific taste for music, listening to the Underscoop Fire podcast over the years. So I, I seem to remember you and Joe having like an affinity for like late 80s and early 90s hip hop and might even say like boy bands. Uh, um, I think you're <laughs> semi sort of confusing us oh, with, oh, okay. with William Bruce West, who does have a, a love for the boy bands. Joe and I had a love for one specific boy band. If you rank the boy bands in order of of how great they were in the world, uh, number one is always the Beatles. Number two is New Kids on the Block, and that's what Mm -hmm. we're talking about. That's what we love. And then there's no three, there's no four. Then we skip all the way to like 89, and then it's like NSYNC and Backstreet Boys and stuff. So those are the two upper echelon boy bands of all time. And, yes, Joe and I do love New Kids. (laughs) Well, let's see how much you really love them uh, as Ooh. we are <laughs> as we are counting down 1988 tonight. And we uh, sort of do uh, these shows around uh, albums or movies or TV shows released during a specific year. But I kind of made the mistake of sending Corey a list of basically the, the Hot 100 or maybe even 200 of 1988, which actually was some albums that were released in 87. So mm-hmm. I think we're just going to throw the, the format out the window. And uh, we'll, you know, these songs and these albums were around this time. And we'll just, just kind of go with, uh, with what we got tonight, regardless of when they were released. How about I would, that? I would say this, Jason, and that's fair, because I did tell you in advance that some of the albums that caught my eye looking at a list you provided me, uh, <laughs> uh, I was. I started going through, starting to listen to some of that old music again, and and I felt like it was a 1988. Not, I, I didn't feel like it was an 87. 
I didn't feel like it was an 89. I felt like it was a 1988. So we can, we, you know, we can go through this in a little bit, but okay. we also did mention though, uh, and this is for the listeners that maybe the album was not released between January 1st and December 31st, 1988. But a lot of the singles, a lot of the music that was getting airplay off right. these albums were in fact, uh, your spring and summer of 88 hits. So I think we've got a little room to, to play around with that 1988, uh, number. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I'm with you on that. I'm with you on that. Okay. Well, let's, uh, before we get into our top five list, I'm going to do uh, a quick little context like I've been doing on these Rankum shows. And, uh, let's just give the, the listener a little, uh, temperature of 1988 and, and the top albums of that year. Uh, number 10 was Aerosmith's Permanent Vacation, which uh, I adored. I, I'm a big Aerosmith fan. Uh-huh. Uh, number nine was Tiffany's self-titled album. <laughs> Make you want to uh, head to the mall? Uh, well, no. In 1988, <laughs> you, you, it, was, it, it was like Pepsi versus Coke. It was the yeah. Beatles versus the Stones. It was, it was Debbie Gibson or Tiffany. You couldn't right. be fans of both. And I, as we'll talk in a minute, was a fan <laughs> of the other. Continue. Go ahead. Gotcha. Okay. Number eight, Richard Marks, self-titled album. Mm-hmm. And and Mr. Marks, I, I do believe he was the actually the first concert I ever went to. Oh, wow. Uh, okay. My, my mom took me. That's okay. Uh, so that's my excuse, at least, for going to see Richard Marks. But anyway, that was at the local county fair. Just you were those twelve. Who, were, uh, who, who, who are you supposed to yeah. go? Like date? I, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I, I I just don't see. I didn't. I've never had any like Richard Marks albums. So okay, mom, I'll I'll tag along. Yeah. <laughs> You'll tag All along. Right. You didn't. You didn't think of it like as mom. This is going to be my first concert and years from now when i do a podcast i'm gonna have to tell the world this was my first concert right 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 let's right. go mom okay <laughs> all right number seven as we were just talking about debbie gibson out of the blue she finished a little higher yeah mm-hmm. a little better. Uh, number six was guns and roses appetite for destruction which i know that one came out in 87 so mm-hmm. that was a carryover into the next year uh, as well as Michael Jackson's Bad, which was number five. Mm-hmm. Uh, number four, In Excess, Kick. Uh, I remember having that cassette very well. Uh, number three, Def Leppard's Hysteria. Number two was the Dirty Dancing soundtrack. And then number one, George Michael with Faith, which was a huge... I mean, there's several number ones on that album four um thank you you're welcome <laughs> <laughs> don't think i'm I will a little... be talking about that album shortly go ahead <laughs> okay well that was um that was the top 10 for 1988 and then uh, just a few kind of awards and events that were going on that year january 20th the rock and roll hall of fame ceremony inducts the beach boys the beatles the drifters bob dylan and the supremes so that was a uh, a pretty stout class. It, that would seem like it was uh, it should have been a lot earlier, but uh, I don't know my rock and roll Hall of Fame history and that why you know what is it twenty years you have to wait since your first or your last album or I don't know 
Anyway. It's, yeah, it's some it's weird confusing. rule. I think they were probably just trying to get caught up at that point. And now, yeah. you know, now they're finally like, <laughs> all right, do we got anybody left to, to yeah. at this point? I know, <laughs> I know right? Is level 42 around. Can we get those guys to come to Cleveland? No? Okay. I think I, I, think I found MC Hammer. He's still selling <laughs> albums there in Oakland. That's right. Um, out of the trunk of his car. Uh, April 19th, former rock and roll singer Sonny Bono is inaugurated as the mayor of Palm Springs. Excellent. That was 1988. Uh, August 12th, Public Enemy uh, garners some publicity by staging a concert at Rikers Island Prison for 250 inmates and 100 journalists. Okay. Uh, yeah. I, I did not remember that, but I thought that was interesting. Um, and then on December 4th, singer Roy Orbison, he gave his last concert in Akron, Ohio, just before his death uh, from a heart attack. So that was the year that he passed away. He was fairly uh, young, wasn't he? He was like in his mid to late 50s. I, I, that sounds correct. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it was, uh, you know, pretty sudden. Mm-hmm. Um, it it kind of reminds me of not necessarily the the way that he passed away, but with Tom Petty, you know, just he was on tour and then he's gone, you know, I see, Uh, I see you putting that traveling wills, uh, will traveling Willsbury is wait, was it Willsbury? Willberry. Boy, I'm having a tough time tonight myself. (laughs) And then one quick one. uh, I heard it through the grapevine experiences, a surge in popularity in the U S Sparked by the television commercials featuring those claymation figures, the California Raisins. Oh, God. And uh, <laughs> that song actually went back on the charts, their version, the, the Raisins version, uh, and actually charted at number 84 on the uh, Hot oh, 100 wow. chart. <laughs> nice. So, yeah, that was, uh, that was a big year for the Raisins. And then we will run through the Grammys really quick. Now, these are the 89 Grammys, which basically were the 88 music releases. So album of the year was George Michael's Faith. Song of the year, (sighs) Bobby McFerrin's Don't Worry, Be Happy. Wow, I didn't realize that was song of the year. Uh, New artist of the year, which is, you know, essentially the kiss of death. That's uh, Tracy Chapman. Oh, Aunt Uh, Trace. (laughs) <laughs> and then for the first time we had best rap performance and that was taken by dj jazzy jeff and the fresh prince parents just don't understand fantastic so that's a that's a quick little glimpse at uh 1988 music we'll call it so just a reminder about the ground rules for Rankum. these are essentially our lists we're not trying to you know throw in there something uh this artist was number one and had five number one. So I got to put them at number. We're just kind of pick our favorites and, uh, and kind of roll with that. So with that being said, let me have your number five choice, sir. Okay. Number five coming in at number five for me is uh, don't be cruel. Uh, Bobby Brown. (laughs) 
of hits off of that album including Don't Be Cruel My Prerogative Roni Rock With You but my real my favorite the one that got me going the one that got me putting that cassette in was uh, Every Little Step and and the crossover you know for the most part that album outside of My Prerogative and Every Little Step was really R&B and uh, the Mm -hmm. videos and the songs for My Prerogative and Every Little Step kind of made that crossover for Bobby Brown um, more mainstream, which obviously helped him along the way for future albums. So that's one that, you know, one of the, the rules I have doing this, playing this kind of game is, can I go back, listen to the entire album and enjoy it? And that's absolutely the case for Bobby Brown's Don't Be Cruel. Absolutely. Um, I will give you my thoughts on Don't Be Cruel, but uh, you're going to have to wait a little bit more okay. in this podcast. Fair enough. So uh, that's uh, we'll leave it at that. But yes, excellent choice. Um, I do remember that vividly. I do remember trying to record my prerogative off of the radio. <laughs> <laughs> I love uh, that song so much. Yeah. If you remember those days. So uh, great choice at number five. My number five, I was, I had a, I don't know. This was tough to, for me, like, uh, what would be five, six, and seven. They were all real neck and neck. But uh, for number five, I went with Living Colors Vivid. course you know the, the the main track off of there that, that really got some airplay cult of personality oh my yeah. gosh uh that was just one you can just crank in the car uh you can crank anywhere really but it it just for me even that band just kind of blew any kind of stereotype i had about metal rock and roll sure whatever out of the window because you're watching the video i mean there's all those little great um uh, cuts from speeches and you know everything that they've got in there and then uh oh, just a killer song killer uh guitar work on there and then I, I just love i remember having the cassette and that was the first track on the cassette and then you would there's a couple more tracks i would listen to and then i'd flip it over and they actually have a theme song living color oh wow uh, okay <laughs> what's your favorite color is the name of the song and it, it's another one of those kind of really upbeat rocking songs on the other side of the album. So I remember actually not getting through the entire album uh, and flipping it over and hitting uh, that song in Glamour Boys, which uh, I remember the video <laughs> and had some airplay on, nice. on MTV on that one, too. So uh, it, just Call to Personality was so big for me. Uh, really loved that song. And that's mainly why I, I kind of got it in there. But... What did you did you listen to Living Color at all? Only that song, and and I thought it was um, I don't know if I can say this on the on the podcast if it's a lot. It was kick ass. It was no, it was an awesome song. It is 
um, stood the test of time as well. When that first guitar lick comes in, even in 2018, you know what you're getting. And if you lived in the 80s, you know uh, the riffs to it. You know the the uh, the hook to it. Absolutely love that. Did I get any anywhere past that on the album? No, not a chance. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah. Okay, well let's uh, let's roll on to your number four pick. Okay, so this is where it really gets murky because I have my four albums listed right here in front of me. I could go any which way. This is almost <laughs> like a one A, one B, one C, one gotcha. D, and then five. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to mix it up a little bit. And when when I first started this process, it was what do they call it? Shock. When you pick the number one album of the year as your favorite album, you can't do that, right? You can't pick the number one seed in the tournament to win the championship. So I'm going to, I will put faith in at number four for me. Cause I gotta have faith. Again, released in 87, but it had hits in 87 and 88 so strong that it was the number one selling album of 1988. Um, To speak to this album, if if I could for a minute, obviously that's why he had me on the show. There are are a bunch of hits on this. There were four number one U.S. uh, pop hits. There's a number two. Um, my favorite song on this album, and, and this is semi-embarrassing. I don't mind telling you or your audience, but when Monkey came out, which was the last, I think the last single released off the album, it was early summer of 88. It's a black and white video for those who don't recall. And his fashion sense at that time, because he was always pushing, he was always pushing a little bit, you know, the leather jacket and the tight jeans and, you know, whatever, was at this point, he was wearing suspenders, a white shirt, and then he had, it was, it's a it's pork pie hat, right? It's one of those flat hats. You remember this, right? Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah, 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 absolutely. Okay. So my birthday is in August every year. That's, the, <laughs> that's when I'm born. What did I ask for for my birthday that year? That outfit, that outfit. I'm not joking. This is true. 1988. I'm I'm turning 12 years old, and I I can't imagine what my parents thought. Um, like wait, you want uh, the video would come on and go. Uh, that, I want that exact thing because I love that song so much. Now I never got any of that. I think I got suspenders, but I didn't get the rest of <laughs> the rest of the outfit. Um, but anyway, so when that song comes on, and in this day and age. Quite frankly, for to hear that on any kind of radio, it's typically if I'm listening to Sirius and they're doing a countdown from '88, that's when you're going to hear it, right? They don't just put it in rotation. But right. that brings me back to when I was young. The other kickers on that album were Faith, for sure. How he did what he did, he got that groove going in two and a half, mm-hmm. three minutes. Um, Father figure again. I'm 12. Why do I? Why, why am I enjoying that song so much? What, he came back with one more try, another kind of love ballad, like on this album that's kind of schizophrenic. It's all over the place. And then the one that I wasn't allowed to listen to unless nobody was around and, and I was watching MTV real quietly, uh, you know, under the covers. That doesn't sound right. Um, was I Want Your Sex, right? <laughs> right, so yeah. That album, and again, I, I don't mean to be too enthusiastic about this, coming off a perception in Wham! where they were kind of just light, poppy, 
just kind of you know background music we're going to have a couple of pop singles to this to me was huge it was a it was a big change it really established george michael as this dominant solo artist and um it's an album again like going back to don't be cruel i can put that on anytime and, and be taken back to when i was a little bit younger so george michael faith number we'll call it four on my list okay well yeah i mean it's a it's an obvious pick for anybody that remembers at least you know american top 40 during that era because you know he was there with multiple singles and and over probably a year and a half with that album yeah uh, just being on the radio but yeah it's one that i never owned uh but obviously the uh I, I basically know his singles more than I'm a fan of like George Michael or Wham. Okay. Um, I do remember, I could be wrong about this, but it sticks in my mind that um, I was listening to, it was either Casey Kasem or Rick D's, one of those top 40 shows. And uh, PM Don sampled Father Figure for one of their tracks. Mm, okay. Um, Patient Eyes, I want to say. Okay. And it went either to number one or was close to number one. It it seemed like it was number one because it was like the first song to sample a number one song to hit number one. Does that make sense? It does. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> it was something weird, but it just stuck in my brain. I remember listening to the countdown show whichever one it was and them announcing that and being like oh that's weird and that was just about the time when i really got into okay this is a sample of this song and my uh i don't know memories of music or or uh what i could remember i'm like oh okay i've heard this song before and he stole it from this person you know whatever right right but uh yeah that that uh sticks out in my mind as far as uh, is George Michael and that album. But yeah, I mean, oh my gosh, those songs just, they just wore them out on the radio. Mm-hmm. And it's, you know, he's, I think, maybe the second or third person behind Michael Jackson for number ones all time. So he's got a huge, huge following and still does. You and know. you say, you say they were worn out on the radio. And I, I agree with you in, in, in that time period. But when I hear one of those songs on the radio today, it's crisp, it's fresh. To me, it's timeless, and it's not like, oh, God, we're hearing this one again. There are, there are some songs from that oh, era. Yeah. yeah, there's some songs from that era that we hear and we go, oh, God, you know, we've heard this a million times, and yes, I get it. Okay, it represented 82, like, you know, like Mickey or, you know, things like that. But yeah. those songs from, from that Faith album just – they they don't lose a generation to me and i think uh, i think that's a part of it so so yeah. yeah yeah very true and you hear i'll hear faith on the radio but you don't hear monkey you don't hear right. one more try you don't hear i want your sex you you don't hear, you hear faith mainly from this album of course and now you know in today's era but if you happen to hear the you know one of those other songs or just you know put on the album uh i can see that i can see how it it would be uh Oh yeah, this was a great song, you know, and you right. just kind of remember. 
and you're right back there. Okay, well, uh, we'll leave it at that, and then uh, I'll go on to my number four, which was an album I really didn't pick up until what I would call the Columbia House BMG <laughs> era for me. 12 for uh, a penny? Right, right, right. Um, I happened to grab this one and just kind of fell in love with it um, in the earlier 90s. So I didn't catch it for maybe about another five or four or five years. And that was uh, Steve Winwood's role with it. He Now, of course, the title track is one that pretty much everyone knows. And I don't know, I think Steve Winwood is, I could kind of group him in with uh, a few other artists, maybe Tom Petty, that has just that unique voice that you either love it or you hate it. And <laughs> I loved it. And the album, there's several tracks on the album that it, it just, I call him the king of the five-minute song because all of his all of his songs, there's no short ones on any of his albums, it seems like. But uh, there were several great songs, and you're just going to get hooked into a song and it'll just kind of take you through that album and uh, roll with it. Uh, holding on, uh, there's a there's a track called "The Morning Side," which I oh my gosh, it's it's almost like um, you could replace Steve with Phil Collins on this album. Okay, and it would it would fit s- seamlessly because the uh, just the way he works the uh, the drums and there's. There is some great, you know, like kind of driving. Uh, that Morningside song is just really awesome, and it kicks in with the drums like Phil does on Phil, like I know him, <laughs> uh, like he, you know, like he does on uh, several of his albums. It's got that unique, real, uh, you know, crisp drum sound, and then a lot of keyboard. Um, uh, if you've never listened to it, it's it's a really great album. It's got. Uh, don't you know what the night can do? You know, the makes you want to pick up a Michelob, you know, <laughs> sit on a dock uh, on a nice summer's evening and listen to that. One taste will tell you why the night belongs to Michelob. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Hang around at a table at a downtown, you know, bar with your Michelob in your hand and, Anyway, uh, it's it's just a I, an album that really grew on me, and not one that I was expecting to really, you know, like the entire album other than the singles that were released. But really loved that album. The song "Holding On." You know, songs take you back to a certain moment in time, and uh, that song. I was I'm working at the radio station, uh, WCPA and WQIX, which was in Clearfield, Pennsylvania. Okay, and I got a little uh, on Saturdays before the uh, the Penn State football games. If I was doing a Saturday shift, there was a time when we would do uh, about 15 minutes of news from 12 to 12:15, and then from the rest of that hour up until one when the game started, I I essentially could be a DJ, and I was actually spinning records. Oh, nice! So it was it was the best forty five minutes you know of my week, 
and I got to open up the mic. I wasn't really doing DJ work, but it was more just uh, little news and weather right. in between songs. But that was one of the ones on record that I would go to and pretty much play every week. So people, you know, tuning into Penn State, oh my gosh, he's playing Steve Winwood again. <laughs> <laughs> but it, it just takes me back to that uh, that moment and in uh, spinning that song. Anyway. Um, what is awesome. your thoughts on Steve Winwood? Have you listened to that album at all? It, it, you know, I, I would have back in the day. I didn't own it. Uh, all the songs that you mentioned um, do, you know, I do recall them. Um, was Hearts on Fire on that album too? Yes. Yes, okay. it was. Okay. Yeah, because he had a bunch in the early to mid-80s that, to me, blended together. So, um Singles wise, anyway, mm-hmm. um, obviously the standout is for me anyway. Don't you know what the night can do? Mm-hmm. Uh, I I always liked Steve Winwood, but again, you're right. There's a camp of people that like him, and there's folks that just anytime he comes on, you turn it right off. So right, um, yeah. so I couldn't tell you that. Like I wouldn't sit down and listen to this album back in '88 or even later. But um, your description of it makes me want to. Uh, you know, try to find the rest of these tracks and give it a give it a shot uh, thirty years yeah. afterwards. Yeah, so. even even if it's just like the the first half of the album. Oh, yeah, it's so good. It's one that I would remember around high school, just putting in my Walkman or Discman, I guess at the time, and yeah, and cranking up in the headphones and just nice. going to sleep or something to it. But it was great. That's awesome. Uh, okay, go ahead uh, with your number three pick, sir. Okay, number three, we are going to go again with an album that was released in 87. Some of the hits were in 87, some were in 88, but again, it rocked the top of the charts in 88, and that's all that matters to me. One of the first people, first women, woman I had a crush on, and that (laughs) is Miss Deborah Gibson, better known back then as Debbie Gibson. The album is Out of the Blue. You know, I like different kinds of music. I liked R&B. I liked rock. I liked, you know, some general pop music. But when this album came out, um, I immediately purchased it uh, on cassette, of course, with my, uh, you know, uh, paper route money or whatever it was. I listened to the entire thing. I love the entire thing and immediately questioned my sexuality um, <laughs> for like, you know, three days. And I went, should I really, really, really like this album as much as I do as a straight male 11, 12 year old guy? And, you know, no worries. This is, has nothing to do with if it's good or bad to be. But I was so into Only In My Dreams, Shake Your Love, Out of the Blue. Right? These are like, you know, just kind of pop, 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 but, you know, yeah. bouncing around. I'm dancing around. And then when Foolish Beat comes out. it's a little emotional right like now you're starting it that's the time where you're starting to get into the girl guy stuff where you're starting to like girls but you don't know why and then a song will play like foolish beat and you're like why am i emotional right now (laughs) what what is wrong i i don't understand (laughs) so um again straight male uh wife three children but at the time i was like Maybe I'm not because I love this album so much, but I do love Debbie Gibson. 
I followed that up with Electric Youth. So if you ever do an 89 uh, <laughs> rewind, <laughs> get with me. We will talk Electric Youth. I proudly own both of these albums. And um, to this day, my wife was always Team Tiffany. I uh, always team Debbie Gibson. So, yeah. and I, you know, here's what I fall back. I fall back on to this day. Debbie wrote all of her music. I think she was one of the youngest uh, yeah. uh, female hit uh, number one song, youngest writer, something like that. And, and so, you know, go ahead and, and cover Tommy James and the Shondells and the Beatles <laughs> all day, Tiffany. We got, <laughs> we got a singer songwriter in my camp. So Debbie Gibson. <laughs> very good very good yes my uh my buddy wyatt would definitely be uh not ashamed to tell you uh tiffany debbie gibson martika uh even early mariah carey oh he had them all man martika so, with yeah. the one with the one song just oh by yeah the single, just by the single <laughs> <laughs> but yeah uh, it definitely was not my cup of tea we'll say Right. Um, I, but it, even just looking at my list, I'm like, wow, you know, I've got, I've got some rock and R and B in there. I'm yeah. rap. And, and then you got like Steve Winwood, which is, I don't know, somewhere in there. Uh, so it's my uh, musical taste back then was just kind of all over the board. And it's, it's just, I think a testament to that era, even going back further, maybe even to the like late seventies or, early nineties at how, how diverse the, uh, just the styles of music were in the, in pop music. Uh, and, I mean, that's uh, perfectly said that that is perfectly said again, we are about the same age. We grew up in the eighties and right. when you put on pop radio, you got everything, you got a sample platter of everything. And I think what happened was, and, and we can save this for another show another day, but I think as, um, I don't want to blame it on, you know, the changing of the industry, but it then became, well, you got to get an, an alternative radio station because that music is, is starting to yeah. build up and we can't blend it in. So then stations were changing their format for niches alone. And then you were only getting that if you had one station on, right? So that's why right. the old pop stations of the eighties are the best because the best music would be played on it. And you would go, you would hear Def Leppard and then you would hear yeah. Debbie Gibson. And then you would hear a Roy Orbison song and you'd go, geez, I, I, I'm getting all of this and I like it all. So I didn't mean to cut yeah. you off, but you, you no, said, no, 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 yeah, no, that's it. And that's just kind of getting to why I'm not going to trash you for listening to Debbie Gibson back then. <laughs> you better not. Because I didn't. But I'll fight you. But that's just the that's just the era that we kind of grew up in. And, it, you know, I miss it. But, uh, all right, we're just going to move right along here. Uh, number three for me, Bobby Brown's Don't Be Cruel. Oh, there it is. Yes. Now, this 1988 was uh, a year I remember pretty vividly. I'm, I'm playing Little League Baseball, and my coach uh, introduced me to a couple albums that I got on my countdown here. This is one of them. And we I remember his brother was the, the high school baseball coach, and they had this indoor facility above the uh, the local pizza place <laughs> in my town and i remember one rainy day we went in there it's like the only time that i think we were in there maybe once or twice 
and we're in the cages, you know, taking batting practice and throwing you know, baseballs around. And he put on Don't Be Cruel. And we all were just, you know, jamming out to it. Oh, it's just such a great album. And like you said, it from what we would call front to back, <laughs> side A, side B, side whatever your side. preference yep. is. <laughs> it, it was just, there's so many great songs uh, throughout that album. And like I said, my prerogative, that hit me pretty hard. That's one of the first videos I remember the singer having one of those like, Driving one of those, those yeah, yeah, the yeah. drive-through microphone. And Can I take your order, please. Uh, <laughs> it, 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 it more or less looked like he was ready to go, like fly a helicopter or something back then. It was <laughs> so large, but but uh, that video was very impactful. And then, like you were talking about with uh, every little step, you know, that white background with the huge white letters, every little step. And he's, uh, if, if I could ever have a wish to dance like some famous person it would probably be bobby brown in that video oh, for, for oh my sure. gosh he just they just cut a rug in there and I then got tired, i got tired watching him dance in that video <laughs> right right <laughs> and you know he he was just so cool you know he's he's singing to the girl as they're she's on one side of those huge letters you know and, and he's singing to her from the other side and then you know he had the backup dancers but of course, Bobby had Bobby on the sleeve, you know, and Bobby right. on the side of the the uh, spandex shorts that he was wearing at the time. So, you know, Bobby was just the coolest thing. And then, yeah, some of the slower songs on there, you know, Rock With You. still hear those i get um i get the uh, the local r&b station uh at work uh because my crew they just that's the station they want to listen to so i still hear rock with you i still hear roni once in a while i'll hear every little step but they'll play those three i would say on a weekly basis at least so i'm still hearing those songs today i'm like oh yeah i mean this is this is great and then i don't know just listen to that station I got. <laughs> I actually did a Google search on Tenderoni, the the, the word, <laughs> because I'm hearing it. Uh, you know, th- this that was the song that pretty much made it popular. Right. But Michael Jackson used it on uh, Pyt. Yep. You know, back on the Thriller album, and uh, I hear Bruno Mars still using it. So I'm like, I need to do like this dissertation on the word. Tenderoni. Yeah, that sounds like figure out where it came up with. Underscoop for uh, uh, blog post coming up. Uh, Jason <laughs> <right>. Yeah. <laughs> the full anyway, I, Tenderoni. The things that come to my brain. But anyway, yeah. oh gosh, I just love that song. And then this just kind of led right into on our own the the Ghostbusters theme. You know, just that that next year two. two. All right. Yes. Okay. Uh, the next year. So that was just kind of a. I don't know. I, I think of that era. I think of Bobby Brown. I think of this album and and leading into the uh, the Ghostbusters two the song. And I just watched the music video last night. I didn't realize there were so many cameos in that as well. Yes, yes. You know, uh, it's weird like they're ones too. Oh yeah, yeah. Total random stuff. Yeah. John Candy the, is in that, correct? He was in the original Ghostbusters music video. Now this okay. one has like which one is? I'm trying to think of uh, two had well. 
you open up and there's Rick Moranis like reading a newspaper or something and it blows out of his hand. Yeah. And then from there on, it's just like random. They had, uh, who was the, who was the model that was, uh, that was in Michael Jackson's, uh, remember the time that played uh, the queen. Iman? Yes. She's Iman. in that. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and there were some other models and I'll then have to go back. Some, I, Cause I, yeah. I, I, that's a song that I enjoy. I've seen the video a million times, of course, but it's been a few years. Um, and that, oh, yeah, it's always, their- a, always a rap that I, I like to do when, uh, you know, too hot to handle, too cold to hold. Yeah. So yeah. I, I will do that every <laughs> so often, but, and of course yeah, he did cameo, he did cameo in the second movie as well. You, you know that, right? Right. Okay. Right. Okay. Yeah. Asking for the proton. Oh, pack. Kid, yeah. Yeah. My kid brother wants those proton packs, man. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, no, that's, that's, the, and, and by the way, rock with you on many, many mixtapes in the late eighties, early nineties, you were, you were laying that down for any girl that you like, you were putting that on a tape Absolutely. for the girls. Absolutely. So, awesome. All right. Let's move along. Number two for you. All right. So number two for me is, so I had a, you know, I had a couple of uh, options here, right? So I could have went with uh, really what I had at number one or mm-hmm. what I, you know, I think people think I should have at number one. <laughs> I'm going to go with what people think I should have at number one. And I'm going to put it at my number two spot. And that is uh, an 88 release. Uh, it is um, New Kids on the Block. Listen up, everybody, if you want to take a chance. Just get on the floor and do the New Kids dance. It is uh, the album that spawned the singles, Please Don't Go Girl. You got it, the right stuff. I'll be loving you forever. Cover Girl, which by the way was released on my 13th birthday. Um, and uh, the title track, uh, Hanging Tough. And um, let me, I don't know if I've ever told you this story, Jason. You had mentioned your very first concert, and it was mm-hmm. Richard Marks. And I, I think I told this on an Underscoop Fire podcast years ago. So. I'm going to tell your audience this story. So I grew up when I was younger. I grew up in Toronto, Ontario. And um, the the big theme park north of Toronto is called Canada's Wonderland. And I would go once or twice every year. had a lot of great uh, thrill rides. It had an amphitheater built into it called, I think at the time, I think it was Kingswood Amphitheater. And my my next door neighbor buddy, who was a year younger than I, he and his sister, who was a year older than I, were going to Cass Wonderland this one summer day. And he invited me to go. And I said, sure, I'll go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I didn't know they picked out that day on purpose because his sister was going to the New Kids on the Block concert. <laughs> and it was summer of 88, I believe. And so I didn't care. I had nothing to do with that. We didn't have tickets or whatever. So we go and we get there and it the entire theme park is nothing but 12 to 18 year old girls. I mean, you're really in heaven because we're like two of the 18 boys in this whole park. And I'm going, David, what is going on here? This is what is a new kids on the block are here tonight. I'm like, Oh, okay. So as the, uh, the sun went down, uh, all those, most of those girls made their way to this concert, of course, with tickets, we have done all the rides for the day. Uh, we have done them a, a few times. We're kind of getting bored. I don't really know a lot about new kids at this point. I think my sister likes them. I've heard them a little kind of in the background. 
And Kingswood is built into the theme park, and they just have these like steel uh, fencing, right? And it's probably about an hour into the concert. We're just hearing like girls screaming, and you know, like a like it's like a Beatles concert from right, you know, twenty right. years earlier. <laughs> and I said, David, let's, let's let's see if we can get in, right? At that point, nobody was doing anything. We hopped the fence. We 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 jumped. We were on the inside of this concert. We didn't have seats. We just kind of walked up and down aisles. But that was really the first time that I I understood the boy band phenomenon. And because these girls were in a trance enjoying this music, and ultimately it like I said, it was my first concert, and I ended up you know starting to dig the album a little bit later. Again, same thing with Debbie Gibson going. Should I be liking this? Um, but I did, and I didn't mind that. And and uh, if you ever do a 1993 episode, you get Joe and myself on that one because we have a, a, a very unhealthy love for their NKOTB album, Face the Music. Um, so I am going to put New Kids on the Block, Hanging Tough, in there at number two. Okay, okay. All right, you're up. Yeah. Uh, I won't really go into anything <laughs> about them because I really have nothing to say. Okay, really. leave it at that. Don't uh, offend. We'll leave it at that. I can st- I can stomach hanging tough. Oh, okay. thank you, thank you so much. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, number two. Uh, uh, s- such a great album. And again, I went from R and B rap to rock and roll heavy metal. So these guys fit right in there. And again, going back to what I was talking about before with my little league baseball coach, mm-hmm. who was a very large African-American man, hearing him pump Bon Jovi's New Jersey oh, no. through his Chevy blazer blew my mind <laughs> and oh, blew no. all of the stereotypes, you know, out the sure. window. I just this album, it's it's one that, like I said, it just kind of shaped my view of the the hard rock scene and how just a few songs can just even make the uh, the top forty mm-hmm. that are really rocking. I mean, you you crank out Bad Medicine, you crank out uh, uh, Lay Your Hands on Me. That's what I was trying to think of yeah. the, the, the first track. It just it fades in. And it's just got that, you know, chant almost at the beginning and it just wails. And I can remember him, you know, doing this like uh, steering wheel air guitar, you know, taking me to practice or taking me to and from places. Oh, my gosh. It was just so I don't know. It just made a, a measure uh, on my brain. Does that the man, time. Does so. that man know what kind of musical influence he is in your life? He does. I actually, uh, I saw him a few years ago and uh, he, uh, I I ran into some random place while I was visiting my parents and I was like, you know, riding around with you, listening to Bon Jovi, listening to Bobby Brown. uh, I'm just trying to think of some other stuff that he had. It was just so impactful on me. And (laughs) so he knows, he knows. It's probably my favorite I would say like ballad 
by Bon Jovi is on there. I'll be there for you. Sure. Oh my gosh. I just love that song. And it's such a play, you know, I guess my favorite Bon Jovi tracks, at least the, the ballads are the ones where you can really hear Richie Sambora back up John mm-hmm. on the vocals. And that's one where they kind of play off each other. And he, there's certain parts where Sambora comes in and you get that awesome harmony. And, oh man, I just love that song. So, and there's several other ones on there that just didn't hit the the airwaves that are that are really rocking that I love. So it's just one of those albums I can just put on, go work out, or you know, in your instance, go for a run. Oh yeah, and just listen from you know front to back. That's awesome. Uh, really love that album. That is awesome. Okay, all right. So I, you know, you you very eclectic uh, bunch of albums so far. Your top four, and um, something in my well. I was going to say something in my heart was thinking that we were going to have the same number one album, but, okay. but then I realized that this particular album actually spawns uh, three years. So it's actually released oh, yeah. in um, October of 87, but the singles are released all the way into March of 89. Yeah. And um, it's an album that when I, when I first got, Again, listen to front to back, and then it was fun hearing. Uh, and I don't know if you ever did this when you were a kid. If you ever bought an album for one song, right mm-hmm. before the, the the CD maxi single and all that kind of stuff, so you, you hear the 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 first song that is dropped or released, whatever you want to call it. And when you buy the album and you listen to that song over and over again, but then you listen to the whole album and you go, "Okay, they're going to release that one." <laughs> and they're gonna release that, and you kind of right. figure that out. Right. I remember right. doing that like in '85 with Janet Jackson. I think I did it in '80. I think I did it with Bad and a few other albums. But this is an album yeah. that I looked and I said, if they don't release these four or five songs, I'm gonna be pissed, and I'm gonna write. <laughs> I'm gonna write. I'm gonna write the record label and go, why didn't you release this one? And uh, I know I'm taking a long time to get to it, but it is uh, in excess. Kick. Um, oh yes. The, the 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 story that will always be uh, closest to my heart um, as is as growing up is the first time I slow danced with a girl was to never tear us apart. And oh my God. you don't need the details, but all you know the way it worked was I, I wasted the whole night fast songs, slow songs, whatever. I, I, I just I just there was this girl I wanted to dance with her, and having this album for a while, that beginning of that song came on, and it's not a long song. That came on, and I just said, "Jeez, I, I only need is three. I got three minutes. Let's do this." And I went <laughs> up to her and we danced. It was wonderful, and we, we didn't date or anything after that, but. So every time I hear that, and sometimes I just go to YouTube and play it myself, I remember that first slow dance that I had. But you've got Need You Tonight, Mediate, right? Devil Inside. You got Never Tear Us Apart. You got Mystify. But then, like, the, the kicker, like, with New Sensation, you know, kind of Guns in the Sky. Those songs, you know, I said at the beginning of this podcast, they just pop. 
they just they still are alive when you hear them they're fresh and new they could to me they could be released today and still be hits and yeah. and that is that says something about the pr- the production of that album that you could pick that up at it 1988 maybe drop it into the 2000s and you know I, we're in a different world with iTunes yeah. and, and singles but you could release new sensation and people will be like, oh, I want to hear that again. I'm going to call the radio station. That's a, that's a, that's a catchy tune. So um, that is my number one album for that 88 quote era. I, I will back you up definitely on this one because right. I do remember having the cassette. I couldn't wait for guns in the sky to be over with so I could get to new sensation. <laughs> New Sensation was just like, oh my gosh, I love the music video. It had that kind of neon and it was like. Yeah, and it was kind of delayed and yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they were doing the pop, um, pop, 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 yeah. Oh, I loved it. Just the, the drum work on that. I would air drum to that because there's a Same. huge kind of boom, boom bass mm-hmm. uh, drum throughout that song. And then it just kind of stops. Yes. Dun, 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 yes. Dun. Oh my gosh. Yeah, so you, see, you know what you're going to do tonight, Jason? When we are done. You are gonna go play that tune. I, I, I am. I will. <laughs> I think I will too. I think I will too. Um, and that whole first side is just great. I think it ends with "Need You Tonight" and "Mediate," mm-hmm. and then you flip it over, and then yep. you get the rest and get to ne- uh, "Never Tear Us Apart." But yep. oh, it always pissed me off to no end when they chop "Need You Tonight" and "Mediate." Yeah, on the radio, yep. and they don't. You know, you don't get the full whatever it is, five minutes of that, you just get yep. to need you tonight. And cause I just love mediate and, you know, watching the music video where they're just flipping the cards yep. to Bob Dylan. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> I ended up analyzing that one time on just for the fun of it and, and trying to come up with just weird statistics about it. How many, how many cards are each person throwing, you know, and just, I, yeah. I don't know. I got sucked into that, but, um, Oh, I just love the continuation of that. Uh-huh. And then, yeah, I mean, Never Tear Us Apart, such a great riff with the strings and the saxophone. And oh, we need more saxophones in the yes, albums, man. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Because, yeah, I mean, it's great to have a nice guitar solo and everybody wants the, you know, the that great solo with the, with the lead guitars. But, oh, you go back to the 80s and you listen to some of the great songs. There's a lot of them have saxophone as the as the bridge and i just missed that so anyway great pick all right what's your number one number one uh all right i'm gonna have to do this okay okay in the beginning there were many as time went on there became few now there's only one one man, one DJ, standing alone on Mount Olympus. Ladies and gentlemen, DJ Jazzy Jeff. Okay. Oh, wow! I was I. You could have given me ten choices. I would not have. I would not have guessed that at all. 
He's the DJ. I'm the rapper. Nice. Oh my gosh, I love that album. Me and my buddy Wyatt wore it out. It got to the point where I remember, I remember an incident where we we went to a, a little small Christian school and okay. we're rehearsing for a some kind of program. Okay, and this is in the sanctuary of our church. And in the speakers, I hear, I hear DJ Jazzy Jeff. I'm like, what's what's going on? My buddy Wyatt is up in the sound booth, cranking it, and didn't realize it was somehow Stop. coming through the speakers. <laughs> <laughs> so, we, oh, my oh my goodness, goodness. I'll never forget that moment. But uh, we loved that album so much, and we had to play it, you know, anywhere we were going at any time. Yeah, and. It's it's such a there's so many tracks on here. Obviously, there's the the singles. You know, parents just don't understand. You know, oh gosh, I love that video. Yep. Nightmare on my street. You know that was a fun one. Yeah, 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 yeah. And there's I don't know if there's any others that were technically released on the album there's so many of that i just really love there's a whole track where they're live and it's a couple years earlier i think uh fresh prince even says he's like 16 or 17 years old or something and oh they're just playing to the crowd i, I think i learned uh all of the technical terms for all the scratches and the yeah, yeah. <laughs> and all of that just listening to this album uh break it down for me jeff break it down and there I was, was going to say, there's something to be said, though, about that, not that album, but the, the music videos that they put out as well, right? Oh, yeah. So we're getting rock videos, and we're getting R&B videos and pop, and that's all fine, and it's following formats. It's ladies sliding up and down on cars and live concert things. But then for kids our age, we're tuning in and seeing, like, little comedy skits um, to rap. Right. And so... For me, anyway, that was part of the appeal. Half the time, I didn't know what they were even saying, but I'm like, "This is hilarious!" Uh oh! And then, like, here comes mom around, you know, with the the, the funny wig on, and the, you know, right, right. So, so yeah, there was there's definitely something to the evolution, even of the music video at that point. That you were like, "And did you see DJ, DJ Jazzy Jeff's Fresh Prince's new video? It's hilarious!" So, <laughs> but yeah, definitely. I can't I can't believe that's yeah. your number one though. That's oh, it is, man. It is there. There's just so much through that. There's a uh, Ready Rock C. He's their beatbox guy on the on the album. And there's right. a couple of tracks with him, uh, my buddy. And then there's one where he does like the Donkey Kong theme. Okay, yeah, <laughs> oh, yeah. It's so great. <laughs> it's so great. And then yeah, that one that I recited was from uh, Rhythm Tracks House Party style. And there's just so many different beats and throughout the whole album it's just yeah it's not like you get a consistent you know you would like with a rock album or something but it's all over the place and uh, you know every single one of them i just love so we we listened to that album non-stop probably since it came out through you know yeah. graduated high school nice uh just love that album so I, I went through it last night i was actually watching Jazzy Jeff, some live performances of him just from a few years ago. He's okay. still scratching, and uh, there's a there's a Graham Norton video where he. Uh, I was just going to say Graham Norton. Yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. He brought Jazzy Jeff out again. He even yeah. brought Carlton on, you know, and they yeah. did the Carlton dance, and that's awesome. Oh, Alfonso, yeah, it was great. So 
anyway, that's my number one. Did you have any honorable mentions you want to throw out there? No, I had an ironclad five. I didn't want to. Well, when I originally looked at the 100 albums from 88 mentioned in the top five was the dirty dancing album. And Mm -hmm. that one I couldn't include just because of the movie side of me. It was an 87 film. How dare I try to jam that in, but that's really a great album as well. And, and that's a mix of, you know, some of the contemporary music at the time versus some of that early sixties. And there, I I should really put together a playlist uh, or just a list, publish a list of songs that if I'm in the car by myself, uh, I will put the windows down and I will sing it out loud and hungry (laughs) eyes is, oh my is my jam off of that album. Eric Carmen. I may yeah. actually be singing that when we are finished because I got to play that <laughs> one. And, and, and you know, you, you had Swayze with the hit, which I was kind of a little on. You had, obviously, um, Bill Medley and, and Jennifer Warren's is big. Right. Hit. But because it was such a nice blend of contemporary stuff and old stuff, it's, a, it's an album that holds up today. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. What about you? I, I would do She's Like the Wind instead of uh, – uh, Eric Carmen there. If I'm, if I'm doing the windshield karaoke, as I like to say, okay. uh, <laughs> I will wait on that one. Okay. Uh, just a few for me. The one I was kind of flip flopping with uh, living color was run DMC's tougher than leather. Okay. Love me some run DMC. There's some great tracks on there. Uh, Huey Lewis's small world. Okay. Was released then I d- I do remember I was huge into Huey Lewis I do remember going out pretty early to get that one on cassette. Okay. Living in a perfect world. And, and then the title track, I think we're the only two that were released on there, but I still liked the album. And even yeah. though it really didn't sell well and kind of forced them to go back to the fifties, you know, and <laughs> and do those uh, cover tracks yeah. uh, later in the nineties. Um, I got to mention Injustice for all by Metallica. I remember vividly me and my, uh, a friend of mine, we'd be playing the Sega Genesis, particularly like Madden, I guess it would be like, I'm dating myself, okay. 92 or 93. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We would throw on and Injustice for All and particularly the track One. Oh my gosh, mm-hmm. such a great track. And we would just let that thing play while we're, you know, trying to run the, uh, <laughs> there's this play on Madden where you could kick the ball to the corner of the end zone and choose the guy that was all the way to the sideline <laughs> and speed run him down the field. And if you timed your dive tackle perfectly, it would bring out the stretcher and oh, we nice. would just go crazy. That was like the the ultimate thing in that game. Yeah. Cause you know, anyway, but you would hit the guy and, you know, it just as you hear, you know, Lars doing those bass drums. And <laughs> anyway, that was one. Um, oh, my gosh. I'm going to mention this just because it, it, it hurts me. But I was I would say I was the fan. Millie Vanilli. All or that's, nothing. That's OK. I mean, uh, I remember requesting songs at a uh, at a roller skating birthday party uh, <laughs> on the rain is that the one uh, no well the one that i requested i girl, think girl you know uh, it's true yeah okay girl you know it's true i, I know it's i know it's uh, 30 years later and everything like that i look at it now as an adult and i say was it really that big of a deal like that those two guys weren't singing 
Because didn't we get that with C, uh, a CNC Music Factory later? Remember? Right. Yeah, yes, and it, it's happened a few times. And as the years have progressed, we've cared less about it. But it ultimately destroyed a decent pop group. I mean, they right, did. Right. They, didn't they also win? They also won uh, Best New Artist, did they yeah. not? Yeah. That was yeah, I believe that was give it back. That was eighty eight, right? And they gave it back. Yeah. Uh, So like, I I, you know maybe we should deep dive one day into the 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 culture of Millie Vanilli because I remember when it was like discovered that they weren't really singing. I even as a young kid, I was like, so (laughs) who cares? (laughs) I I don't really care. I mean, it's good music. These guys are dancing. They're performing for me. Who who cares? Right, Right. That's my defense of Millie Vanilli. Well, I guess I was kind of the same way because I never really, I never really cared because I loved the the music as yeah. at that time, and you know whether they were singing it or not, I wouldn't change my opinion of how I felt about the the songs that I really liked, you know. Right. So I, I don't know. Right. Anyway, um, I'm going to end with just a quick note that again, this was during the the Columbia house and BMG era for me. And I went and picked actually three greatest hits albums that were released that year for Fleetwood Mac journey okay. and Ario Speedwagon. And I, I didn't want to really include them in the list. I, I don't no, know. Cause that I'm, is I'm a little greatest cheap. hits or right. Yeah. It's, it's kind of cheating yeah. because there's not, you're not listening to those songs really during that time. And really none of them will rechart or re-release right. very rare. But I did want to mention those because those really introduced me to each of those three and and their their whole catalog really of music up to that time. Okay. So like Fleetwood Mac, I, I, that was you know my first introduction to go back and and listen to Rumors, and then Journey. You know, oh my gosh, I knew Journey. I remember the the, the videos. Yep. You know, yeah. and that really expanded that and, and and gave me a lot more songs that I really enjoy now. Uh, and the same with REO. So those three were re- released that year. I just wanted to throw those out there that, yeah, man. I would have hung up on you, you if you used any of those three. I would have hung up on you. But we're done. <laughs> we're done here. Yeah, I'm, I'm out. <laughs> so uh, so that's it for me. I had a few more in there, but we'll just let them uh, okay. We'll just let them be. Okay. And uh, we'll let you uh, get on. But oh, I really appreciate you coming on. Uh, just tell us again a little bit about the chap report. Yeah. And what you got going on over there at Nerd Lunch. Sure. So the chat report, so you had mentioned earlier that uh, we did the Underscoop Fire website years ago. We had an uh, accompanying kind of pop culture, sometimes 80s themed um, podcast that we did for 150 episodes. And then when that kind of died out and we, we ended that series, I started my own kind of one-on-one show called the chat report. And, um, uh, I did that for a little bit then I took a hiatus and uh, I've been a big fan of the nerd lunch podcast and their, their particular show and their spinoff show. And, and I got together with uh, CT who kind of produces. And I said, I'm lo- I'm looking to get back into the podcast game, but really on a limited basis. And he said, I've got one slot for you every month. And I said, I could handle that. So <laughs> every fourth episode on their feed, uh, every fourth Tuesday, a new show comes out that I host. Um, so far, uh, that I, we did a uh, box office preview for the summer with uh, Tank. 
Uh, mm-hmm. I did a show last month with uh, Chad from Horror Movie Barbecue. And this month, uh, this episode, which will be coming out in June, uh, is actually a solo show that I did. Um, and uh, those are the, those are dangerous to do <laughs> uh, because you can ramble. And then there's no one to cut you off and go, can we talk about something else now? Um, But I had a good time doing that. I have some guests lined up for future shows. So if you're a fan of uh, pop culture or anything like that, uh, look for the chap report in the nerd lunch feed, wherever you get your podcasts. Cool. Yeah. Yes. Go out there and subscribe. I have listened to all of them up to this point and I did listen to the show uh, before you made the the jump over to Nerd Lunch, so I uh, and we have Appreciate a lot of the it. same uh, same people in common. Chad was actually on. We were counting down 1988 uh, movies not oh, too fantastic. long ago. Awesome. So yeah, we have some of the same uh, shared universe. I'll say awesome. But uh, you can also find Corey over there on the Twitters, the Chap Report, and at Chapman Runner. That's right. If so you if want you, to uh, connect. Yeah. If you want to connect or you want to disagree with me, that's fine too. Or tell tell me you love uh, this particular podcast. I I always want to hear the good and the bad. So send me your comments, your questions, and we'll go from there. Awesome. All right. Well, we will wrap on uh, this Rankum show. Thanks again, Corey, for your musical opinions. And uh, we will catch you next time with another countdown. Thanks, Jason. Thanks, Jason.